Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz is on the phone lines with me. As as we've mentioned before, uh, twice a week now, we switched our format from once a week to twice a week, hopefully for more shorter-focused podcasts. If you missed our spring game reactions, we're published Sunday night, Monday morning. I've gotten a lot of good feedback on that so far, but uh, feel free to check that out. I talked about the basketball decisions last week, where I think things stand and and what I think of what where things stand. Uh, feel free to rate, subscribe. Uh, we actually have a podcast page on our website now, and you can read all of our stories because we write plenty more than we podcast at themichiganinsider.com and michigan.247sports.com, however you choose to get there. But this, this podcast, we're going to answer a few lightning round questions about Michigan football, and then we're going to actually go to recruiting. We haven't done recruiting due to March Madness and spring football. Uh, we haven't, haven't really gotten to give recruiting it's full due. That will come plenty this summer, especially two podcasts a, a week. I, I, I would imagine one out of every two or three podcasts are going to be mostly recruiting. So, uh, Steve, uh, one of the one of the primary sources on Michigan recruiting, if not the primary source, if I say so myself. But it's you know we'll get lots of recruiting intel for those who, who like that. But first, some football questions. Andy Schiltz asked. Uh, you know he was mentioning Ben Van Sumeren. I believe the exact phrasing of the question was, I love seeing Ben V at RB. Any idea how much usage you think he really gets? I love the idea of a 235, 240-pound hammer back there. And I will say, uh, I I don't know I, I don't know about usage, but he did look pretty natural at running back. Uh, I don't know, Steve, about your thoughts, but I thought he looked pretty smooth. You know, there were... He was hitting the holes, and and I know it's like you know fans. I think see especially when they're doing wrap up or or two hand touch kind of play, and and you see them hit the holes, and like you think, okay, whatever, it doesn't mean anything. There is something to be said about the timing and the awareness, and and having the speed to get to a hole that is fast closing, things like that. So I thought he looked pretty natural. I, I I'm has I'm not sure what they're going to do at running back because I it kind of depends on health, and and I would assume. Charbonnet and Turner are probably the the one A one B if if things go according to plan, and and then you have Wilson and Van Sumeren next. But I I don't see why Van Sumeren couldn't be in kind of that mix. Maybe a a you know three or four carries a game kind of player. I mean, you could take Ben Mason's spot. You know, if Mason again, who is another guy who still it doesn't sound like they're but he's done on the offensive side of the ball, right? So, no, you know, because, but they're similar guys though. I mean, they're big dudes. It's power more than it is speed. Um, you know, I, I think Ben Van Sumeren is a guy that again, you can just, the, the way that they're using him is the same way that they used Mason early on, you know, is that they're just trying to find ways to get him on the field because they like what he can do. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm pretty much in agreement with you. Yeah. You know, again, with the whole running back thing, like, very minor injury to Turner Charbonnet. They knew about all this. So, you know, right. everyone worried about their running back core. Those guys will be, uh, should be hundred percent good to go by fall camp. They should be healthy. What I meant by the, there's some uncertainty is we don't know what they're going to look like as running right, backs. Right. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you there. Uh, just, but I don't think that, yeah, I think the core will be fine for the most part, but no, I think there's a role for a guy like Van Sumeren. Um, he's got good hands too. I don't know if they'd put him in like an H back type role, if that's, well, know, I know Harbaugh's Gattis mentioned it, right? Because he you know, was a tight end out of high school, right? Right. You know, he and that's why I say, and like that's actually was one of the more impressive parts of his high school film were his hands. I mean, I think the first play in his, if I remember correctly, the very first play on his uh, senior highlight film was like this just ridiculous one-handed grab. And like up in Essexville, where he's from, I mean, he wasn't playing great competition week in and week out, mm-hmm. but that's like a play that it didn't matter. Like you know, could have had could have been against your like five-year-old brother is this more the actual play on his own not necessarily like beating good coverage it was just an awesome athletic play you know and so he's definitely got the hands to be a potential factor in the passing game too I think so he'll find a role I again I think there's no doubt they love him it's funny looking back is like he's a guy I feel like they should have just recruited immediately if anyone remembers it was a little late uh, Mm -hmm. that they got in and they pretty much swiped him from Iowa so um, you know, which again, he'd have been 
you talk about Iowa's always good at developing guys like that. I think he was a guy who's going to pl- do well wherever, but Iowa would have been a good fit for him too. Uh, so, no, I think he, they, it's clear that they really like him. They yep. usually try to get those guys on the field in some capacity. So I'd expect to see him uh, probably about the, at the rate that you said, right? And then if he does something with it, then maybe you'll see him a little bit more. Yeah, and I, I do wonder – because I think Mason, I don't, I won't speak for him. I think he's starting to get up to that two sixty five, two seventy range, and he is jacked as can be. I, I don't think he's like this, this, this chunker or anything. But it's, it is starting to get to the point where for some of these situations, maybe more than a couple yards, more than just pad level inertia, you know, fall forward type situations. Maybe Van Sumeren can be a little bit more of like a Khalid Hill type fullback where you know maybe maybe he's out in the in the passing game or he's in the flats or doing some some, some of the uh, Sione Homa stuff so uh, I don't know if that made sense to our listeners but basically he, he I think he could be a little bit more versatile um, especially since he gets to commit to it full-time whereas Mason you know I don't think he's not done at fullback but I do think they like him on defense at least for now and I think he likes to play defense too so it's uh, we'll see. I, I, he did look better than I expected in the spring game as a running back type player. So I, I, I agree with you, Steve. I think they're going to try to find some room for him. Uh, second question. This one comes from Brendan Foley, who asked, uh, "Have the Rich Rod Hoke years scarred the fan base in a way where where they forget with?" how Harbaugh has recruited Michigan can reload with talent that's been on campus for a couple years instead of throw out desperate replacements. And we, we talked about this earlier this week. Uh, the, the depth is different this year, and I think it was a little different last year as well, but I think even more so this year, you know, we just, we just talked about how Michigan fans should be excited about the fourth string running back, and that's, that's their least deep group. And I think, you know, I think there's a lot of questions about the running back group because it's so unproven, but you know, are there are there legitimate red flags at any position right now that you're that you're looking at and saying, I don't know what Michigan's going to have here. It might be a rough go. You know, because I, I know offensive tackle has been one before. Uh, safety was one maybe five five six years ago. You know, I I know cornerback wasn't always automatic. Linebacker has, has been of caution. Maybe the will linebacker. You just don't know. But at the same time, we just talked about. Uh, you know Jordan Anthony, Cameron McGrone, and, and Devin Gill, and and you also have to factor in if you're using the nickel and Brad Hawkins, someone that that people like, and or you're using the Sam linebacker Josh Uche. I mean, there aren't a lot of holes on this team. Now I I don't know that they are going to be the best team, you know, a top five team or a team that beats Ohio State and wins the Big Ten, but there there it's not going to be because of some glaring weakness. Quarterback's been one in the past too, you know, receiver has been one. I mean, yeah, I think think this year and next year and, you know, I'm not quite ready to, to say the year after that just because I haven't seen everybody, but it seems like things are really stable in the sense that they don't, you know, even, even though the class sizes are going to vary a little bit, there's not going to be some year where they're like, yeah, it might be rough this year. <laughs> you know, it might, this, might, this one might be tough. Uh, you know, I think 2017 was a good example where, you know, I think they wanted to do better than they did, and the quarterback injury didn't help. But they also just were not fully ready at every position. So yeah, I, I, to to answer answer your question, Brendan, it's I maybe it's scarred the fans, but I think after this year, I don't I don't think the I don't think the off season will be which holes are they trying to fill. It's more okay, what's next? It I mean it takes time. Mm-hmm. That's you know, and that people again, and I get it. You know, people don't want to take time into consideration when uh, he's being paid all the money, you know, and all that stuff. Uh, their offensive line after Hoke was in just absolute shambles, and it's just now in year five. I mean, would you <laughs> argue that they're finally they finally have? So they had a good unit last year. The unit was good, but nobody knew that before the season either. And that, but not only that, but but they were still in a position to where if somebody got injured, 
there were major question marks about the guy replacing. Well, you could say, look at, you know, Bushel Beatty out. Andrew Stuber struggles, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, I think this year is finally maybe the first year where they would be able to withstand an injury to a major contributor, I guess is the best way to put it. And that, and that's a lot of times that's what can win you football games. How many, you know, pl- how many teams go through the season without a major injury? Right. So, and so, you know, I think especially up front and it's, I mean, it's not unavoidable though. Uh, you know, as far as even with Harbaugh, I, I do think the question is on the right track, you know, as far as, yeah, because like, well, we talk about our spring game reaction. One of the biggest reactions that both of us had is that it looks like they have depth on both sides of the ball, right? And so, you know, and that doesn't—that's not something that you can happen overnight, especially when you consider, you know, with especially where the har- the position Harbaugh came in, where the fourteen and fifteen classes were so small to begin with, mm-hmm. you know, that it takes time to. You know, and, and not only that, but really the returns on both of those classes were yep not good at all, uh, like very very poor, and so that's why you know it does it takes. I mean, we're just now getting to the point where the kids from sixteen have either left, you know, their few a couple of uh, the couple guys, the few guys that left for the pros, or they're in their fourth season, you know, and so yeah, I mean. It's not the only thing that has scarred the fan base, uh, but it's one of them, I guess. I guess would be the best way to say it. So, you know, it does, though. It takes a long time to kind of get to that point. And that's why I kind of think that there's, you know, this year I think is where the the pressure could really ramp up because mm-hmm. these are all his guys. I know we talked about that before, but uh, these are pretty much all his guys. I think, like I said, save for one, Runyon, who I believe committed to Hoke. Um Signed with Harbaugh, obviously, but committed to Hoke in the 15 cycle. But uh, so, yeah, I mean, you know, that's why I said people, it's not as easy. You can't just snap your fingers and, um, you know, especially because, like I said, Hoke recruited pretty well. But if those 14 and 15 classes had hit, you know, he might he might still be the coach for all we know. It's like. <laughs> Part of it, either recruiting failures from a bus standpoint or from just not recruiting good enough players where it reflects on your ranking can be what do you in. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think with Rodriguez, his classes were some of the worst ranking-wise that Michigan's ever had, right? And then right. with Hope, I think you hit the bust. You skip you skip a cycle at quarterback, I think, which was one of the other things that really, really killed them. Uh, especially so 2012? Uh, was it? Because they had they had Spate, they had Morris. Yeah, no, they skipped fourteen because it was it went Morris to Spate, and then when Morris doesn't pan out, you're left with whatever they had. I don't know whatever they had. Well, you're left with 2017 is what you're left with with John O'Corn. Oh, uh, as your yeah, because he he, he uh, but they had Melzone, but that didn't work. Anyway, right. but yeah. but still, like you know, um. Oh wait, was Spate fourteen? Maybe Spate was. Spate was fourteen. Sorry, you're right. Maybe it was twelve though. Then that they've skipped because it was. Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. Put all the pressure on Morris. You know who didn't pan out, and then all of a sudden, you know you're kind of left with your pants down a little bit at quarterback, where you're, you know, and like I said, that carried over into Harbaugh, much like the offensive line did, where you had that thirteen class of offensive linemen who, uh, basically busted across the board all six, for different reasons. And that's why you're left with it's 2019 and they're just, in my opinion, kind of starting to get past all the misses that they had in, in 2013. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, no, I mean, and, and, and I think the phrase that you and I have used on this podcast a lot is backing into starting roles. How many times do they have a guy that they're just kind of like, well, someone has to start and we don't really have anyone else. I mean, you know, again, not really a nice thing to do to, to go and rehash all the names. Cause, cause they still worked hard and they still did their thing. But you know, you can, you can go look at some of the positions that have had deficiencies in recent years and, and figure out which starters were intentional starters. You know, that Michigan was like excited to have starting and which ones were kind of more somebody has to win. I, I think this year, I don't think there's going to be any 
somebody has to win the job. You know, I, I, I was I thought that maybe defensive line, you know, some of those some of those four, say the fourth or fifth guys on the D line, you know, because you felt good about pay and camp. Um, you, you've you know Uche, if we want to call him a defensive lineman, you felt good about those three, but there were some question marks. I feel like they got answered, you know, especially Jeter's emergence really does a lot, and 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 that's the thing is like now instead of counting on a redshirt freshman or a true freshman to emerge at some of these positions, they have guys who have been around for a few years. Where where you know instead of Instead of putting all your eggs in one basket, you, you kind of have a couple, couple different options. Like it could, if it wasn't going to be, uh, you know, if, if say Dwum Force hurt, is it going to be Mozzie Smith? No, I mean you're not necessarily putting all your eggs in the Mozzie Smith train. You can say, well, here's Donovan Jeter, a guy who can do a lot of things well. It just has to come together. And so, you know, I think you could say the same about a lot of positions where, in the past, they might not have had two guys fighting for the job. Well, let's say right tackle. You know, they instead of I think in the in past seasons, Stuber would not have existed, and they would have said, "Okay, here's hoping Mayfield's ready," you know, which which he very well might be, but yeah. So uh, it just feels like it's a deeper team. I feel like it's a more intentional, like you know, they've got they've got the pieces they want at the at all the positions instead of what they're kind of given. Um, did take a while yeah. though. You're right. It <laughs> does though. That's the thing, and and it it takes. It takes a while, but then again, we're sitting here, and I don't know people don't want to hear it, but you know, they're one foot and one game away from probably being in the playoffs twice, despite that, right? Yes. Um, they have so, these eighth most wins among Power Five teams in the last four years. Yeah, so not bad, all things considered. In that, when you look at it from that standpoint, um, that's pretty solid in my opinion so yeah yeah I, I, yep i agree um let's do a couple quicker ones uh adam krasinski says how much of my hard-earned money should i put on the over of 9.5 regular season wins for michigan this season a percentage of annual income will work thanks well i won't tell you how to spend your money i i do i this is the first year i think 2016 i was predicting 10 and 2 Every other year I've done nine and three. I think this is this year is going to be a ten and two prediction again because they, you know, at Penn State suddenly doesn't look nearly as hard as it as it might as it did two years ago. You know, the team is very they're going to be very young. They're recruiting extremely well, but they lost Moorhead. They they weren't amazing last year. Uh, you know, Michigan beat them by thirty five. They, they're not returning a guy like Saquon Barkley. Suddenly that looks pretty winnable. Wisconsin. Uh, their defense does not look like what it once was. I really wonder what. I think Wisconsin's trending down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, Again, you know, they were they just recruited really well. They got their true freshman uh, Graham Mertz. I think is going to be a, eventually going to be a really good player at quarterback. But I, I don't think you can bank on a true freshman with all the other holes. Well, he's not listed as the starter now either. I mean, right? It's... I think Jack Cohn is is currently the starter. I mean, we'll see if that holds. But yeah, I mean, that's like Wisconsin. I think Michigan gets them at a great time too. Like early first on conference game of yeah. the season. Yeah, if there's and if there's a time that you want to play in Madison, I think September twenty first <laughs> is one of the better days that I could probably think of to do so. So yeah, and it, it'll probably be a night game. It'll probably be a great atmosphere. And I do think Wisconsin's one of those teams, kind of like Michigan State, where like people are constantly looking at them saying. I think they're trending down because they don't quite recruit the stars, the star players that much. Um, but I agree. I mean, they were seven and five last year, and and there's no, I guess eight and five because they won their bowl game. There's, n- I'm not sitting here looking at any part of their game where I think I don't think Michigan could stack up. Even their offensive line, as great as it is, lost three starters, so it's, you know, so suddenly that one looks a little bit more. And those are your two toughest road games. You know, unless unless uh, Maryland starts really putting things together, Michigan might get its three toughest games at home: Michigan State, Notre Dame, and Ohio State. So I, I'm sitting here looking, and I'm I'm seeing. I, I don't think I'm not predicting them to beat Ohio State until I see both teams on the field and I see something concrete. 
But so that's one loss. But then elsewhere, I mean, do you see two more losses on the schedule? Because I, I don't. So, and, and plus, I think I don't know if the if Adam if your over under includes the bowl game. Um, you know, I I, you're t- I I just I don't see four losses on the schedule. Um, so I would say, I don't know. I I don't know how much income you want to put in, but but I if I if I were to put money down. I might t- I might bite on that over. I, I agree. I think the schedule cuts up a lot nicer for them than I thought it would. On uh, even though you know they got the big three at home, you know I think the schedule the early part of the schedule is very manageable. You know until I think yeah Penn State I think is where it'll be interesting. But even then Tommy Stevens, their projected starting quarterback, entered the portal yesterday. It's kind yeah. of an odd deal there. So and then again. Yeah, with their deal, yeah, they lost Saquon, but then they lose Miles Sanders this year too. Uh, they've recruited running back really well, so I think I think Ricky Slade is probably their star. I'm guessing mm-hmm. he's their starter there, you know, and, and I'm sure he'll be really good. And their defense is starting uh, to fill in right. similarly, to, not similarly quite to Michigan, but like where you know they've got players at every position and things like that. Yes, but they should be pretty solid. Uh, but but again, I, I yeah, I, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like Barkley really drove the big success that they've had there. Yeah, the two eleven win seasons. I think they've got yeah, and Moorhead, I think. Right. I just yeah. the way they looked last year, you know, just really you know, not impressive. And and that's that's take away the Michigan game. You know, I know they played Ohio State close and uh and they lost to Michigan State actually. so that's the other thing is like see I think Michigan State's gonna be pretty good this year. Uh Mm-hmm. I think they've fought a ton of injuries last season. I think they have some decent young skill position players that will emerge this season. And then their defense. What was their final could, record last year? Eight and five? Seven and, seven and six, I think. Okay. They okay. lost their bowl game. They didn't beat Oregon? No, they. I think the, actually, it's funny, I think the score was seven to six. Yeah, to finish lost. seven like and six. Boring, okay. <laughs> yeah, it was the most boring bowl game in history. Okay. Um, so, you know, they're going to be – They'd be interesting. Yeah, but they, yeah. they did fight a lot of injuries last year. But man, their defense should be pretty good uh, again. With even without Willis and uh, you know, I know Justin Lane left early for the draft, but uh, they should be pretty. Their front seven probably is going to be the best in the Big Ten. I would imagine. I can't hmm. see. Well, who'd be better? Iowa. I, I don't know. Iowa. Yeah, I don't know. I, like, I just you know, like, would give the benefit of the doubt right? to Ohio State and guess, but yeah, <laughs> nah, I don't think so, man. Not this year. I mean, they lost Bosa. They lost Jones. I know they're reload. I know they got guys every yeah, year. Chase but Young. Michigan, yeah, Michigan State's got a ton of talent, but they have a ton of experience in their front seven. I would agree too, with, with Willikus and and Bocce both yep. coming back, especially. Yep. So, uh, so that but you know, but yeah, I would take the over for sure. So, couple couple other ones. These ones probably don't need to elaborate quite as much on which offensive position group besides the fullbacks do you think will be of lesser importance in the new offensive system versus the old one? Uh, that one's from QED, QED, QED. I I would say running backs, but I think a lot of that's just who's back. Like it's very hard. It would I think it'd be very hard for Michigan to ignore it, its passing options, especially with Higdon. Uh, you know, possibly Evans gone, you know, or I, I shouldn't say possibly as of right now, he's gone. There's always the possibility he comes back, but yeah, I think running back. I mean, one thing that was pointed out to me though, is, you know, Gaddis wasn't in totally in charge of the offense last, last year at Alabama, but they not only increased passing yardage, they also increased rushing yardage. It was just more across the board. So, you know, I, I, Probably running backs, but I I still think that you know I think Jay Harbaugh said it's still a run first offense. It's not like they're you know it's hard to, hard to get through football, especially in the Big Ten without running you know, a good amount of the time. So uh, I don't think it'll be a significant drop off, but I'd say RBs. Yeah, probably running backs. I mean, it's kind of got to be right. Um, Especially when you consider, like I think we talked about before, because you could look at safety, which when Metellus is a stalwart, you know, kind of a given, uh, but that the other side, when you're replacing a three-year starter in, in Tyree Cannell, 
Uh, oh, I, I the like, question the question was about offense, like in the offensive new offense. Oh, sorry. Can I just be honest with you? So the Miles Sims news just broke, and I'm writing a story midway through. Okay, so, um, <laughs> you're good. No, that's fine. I'll, I'll let me look real quick at the like at the question because it was uh, which offensive position group besides the fullbacks do you think will be of lesser importance in the new offensive system uh, versus the old one? Wouldn't it kind of? Uh, you almost want to say tight end. Um, so I know they're going to yeah. try to, they're going to, I know they're going to throw it to get those guys, the ball, especially like a guy like, how about a, how about this? How about the classic tight end? We won't say tight end in, as a whole, but sort of the classic hand down mm-hmm. chip in the defensive end type tight end. I feel like it'll be more of a Gronk type yeah. situation yeah. now where they might flex a guy a little bit more, you know, and that's where, like I said, we've talked a lot about Eubanks as being a guy who, uh, you know, is is capable of kind of being that flex guy that can be a matchup problem for sort of the same way we looked at Gentry last year, right? So uh, I guess I'd go with that. I see where you're going with running back too, but you still have to run the football to win football games. Uh, they're gonna, they're, it's still going to be a really important position. And I think uh, I think in a way, a lot of this speed in space is, is a, could be looked at as sort of a disguise to allow yourself to run the football easier. Uh, by moving guys around, putting more speed on the edges, uh, you know, that type of deal, opening up the middle of the field a little bit more. You know, I think it's all comes down to being able to set yourself up to run the ball successfully, and mm-hmm. whether that's with the quarterbacks or the running backs. But uh, so that's what I'm going to go with. But, yeah, definitely fullback, the QED is uh, spot on as far as that goes. I think that'll be a kind of slowly fading away type deal for them. Yep. You ready to talk recruiting? So what should could we should we touch on this Sims deal since it's break is literally broke while we're recording? Or yeah, do you want yeah, to we can do that recruiting? real quick. Yeah, uh, let's talk about it real quick. Yeah, so I Miles, confirm, it's confirmed by the way. So okay, I'm, I'm good on that. So, so Miles Sims, former top 150 recruit, uh, cornerback as as we mentioned, uh, probably the I believe the highest rated, either the highest rated or the second highest rated recruit in the 2018 class. Uh, but you know, Mike Zordich mentioned this week. I was I was there at the press conference. Uh, you know, he said, um, you know, Lavert Hill locked in. Had a lot of good things to say about Lavert Hill. Had a lot of good things to say about Ambry Thomas. How locked in he is. Vincent Gray. How talented he is. Uh, Jalen Kelly Powell. How he's come along. And then someone had to actually bring up Miles Sims for Zordich to mention him. Which, you know, I don't know if that's. I don't know when Sims opted to enter the transfer portal, but uh, clearly somewhere along the way, based on what I can tell in the in, in this immediate reaction, probably something where he saw <laughs> a few guys who will be around for a couple years ahead of him and perhaps wants to take a stab at it elsewhere. So redshirted last season. I know Zordich has given a lot of stuff where he's young. I know this week he said he would like to see Sims be more consistent that was the that was the term that he used. You know, he had he had a he was asked about Sims. He said he's got to be more consistent. You know, we want to see the right Miles Sims every time. Um, come to think of it, I feel like that has been said about guys who eventually transfer before. Um, you know, James Hudson comes to mind as one guy. So uh, I don't know. I don't know, Steve. Any any thoughts there? I know uh, he was he was long. He was he's very coveted by Michigan initially. Uh, any thoughts on entering the transfer portal, which does not technically mean that he's transferred, but um, yeah, not, usually, yeah, right, yeah, um, yeah. So, like I, I think I did an insider about a week and a half ago. I think it was before I left for vacation on, uh, or what might have been the first thing I did when I got back. I don't remember, uh, but heard some kind of mixed things about him, which is never great. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think he did have a minor injury at some point this spring. Again, I don't know the validity. I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, pound the table on the validity of that, but it was something I had heard. And uh, yeah, just, he was a top target for them too. You know, I think that's a little bit of a disappointment in that regard, you know, but, but with Vince Gray stepping up another guy that's come on and I saw that Zordich mentioned him in his, presser or whatever was Jamon Green as a guy too I think has really uh, turned it turned it on the last half of spring practice too so uh, 
But a so, definite loss either way. Sims is a high was a high ceiling type kid. I know they really liked him because of the length, and then also, and this has been a common thing for them at cornerback, is uh, showed great lateral agility. I think his uh, was his cone, his it was a three cone or whatever. Like they when they do it at the opening, or sometimes they'll do it at camp or whatever. Like he was excellent in that regard. So definitely a hit. Uh, he was their fourth highest ranked. Yep. Yep, behind Hutchinson, McGrone, and Muhammad. Yes. So, uh, but uh, yeah, but really, uh, you know, a for sure four star in their mind at the time, you know. But uh, I don't know. They've recruited, uh, you know, they've recruited defensive back pretty well. I'm interested to see. I don't think it has any impact on what Daxon Hill does when he gets here. But you know, again, I think Hill's a guy that if they feel good enough about Woods at safety you know, that maybe Hill could play a little bit of corner. You know, it's like Hill is such a unique talent. You know, I think that they he could be a guy that they might just try to put him wherever they need the help. You know, it's, that's what they did with Jabril yeah. when he first got yeah. to campus. You know, is they, they just kind of put him, you know, he did linebacker and then he did safety. And, you know, they'd mix him around. They just kind of put him in a place because he's just that good. And uh, so I think that's a, that Hill is a similar level prospect in that regard. So, you know, we'll have to see, but. It's always a loss, you know, when you recruit a guy that, again, he was definitely a top guy for them throughout. Yeah, I think if you're looking at, like, 2020 with with LeVert Hill gone and you can see where he could ascend and and maybe, you know, his redshirt junior year, so 2021, he's probably in line to start if he stays, you know, but whatever. I mean, players like like all individuals want to go for the best situation for them, so if he thinks that's elsewhere... Whatever, whatever happens, happens. Right, we're um, touching on though. I mean, you have to touch on that. It's a big deal when a guy of that caliber. I mean, he, yeah, he was one yeah. of their highest graded recruits in that class, so it's definitely a disappointment for Michigan. And uh, you know, but they'll move on. Obviously, you have to. I mean, there's well, technically, I mean, they, they, you know, Zordich mentioned four guys ahead of him, and I think in the past Harbaugh had mentioned uh, Hunter Reynolds. You know, and 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 yeah, you said you know, Jamon Green is is getting some mention now too. So suddenly. I mean, there are guys that they have, so it is what it is. Um, we do want to get to recruiting before we run out of time. So real quick, Tyler Patterson asked about Khalil Branham commit, decommitting a 2020 four-star receiver, if I'm recalling off the top of my head. Uh, he said, more due to philosophy change on offense or something else. Uh, probably not philosophy change, you know, just going from what we talked about for the show. Probably coaching staff change. I mean, every time that there's new coaches and there's new things that they're looking for, I mean, some guys, some coaches really like certain prospects and, and some really like other prospects or types of prospects. Um, I don't know. What do you, what do you make of it? Doesn't have to be too much, too much to be said there. His primary recruiters were Al Washington and Pep Hamilton. Yeah. So that's about where I would maybe leave that. So not surprised at this development, I guess. I mean, not I guess. I'm not surprised. I wasn't surprised. Uh, not going to sit here and say it was a matter of uh, when and not if, but, again, there's – I mean, let's just be honest. There's a few of these every cycle with Michigan, and this would have been one of the ones I would have potentially anticipated in that regard. So there are not a lot of other guys at receiver right now, and, and like I said uh, – he was recruited heavily by members of the staff who are no longer with the program. So I would expect him to end up at Kentucky. It sounds like Kentucky is where he's eventually going to go. Okay. And so anyway, with recruiting, it has been quiet. We'll talk a little bit about the state of the 2020 class in in a moment. But you mentioned you wanted to make note that Michigan has done a really nice job of getting recruits to campus Uh, lately, the last six or so weeks. It's been been quiet – as far as commitments and, and trending for, you know, top 150 target type situations. But what it, what's been going on in, as far as getting guys on campus and what is Michigan doing differently uh, if, if there is any change? Right. I don't – yeah, so I don't think they're doing a ton differently, to be honest with you. Um, it's just they've done a great job of it again. I kind of feel like they're getting into a little bit of a zone as far as uh, just things seem to be going – they're just smoother. It's, it's operating a little bit more like a well-oiled machine would as far as, you know, they're, they're, I feel like they're having a higher hit rate. I'd say in when we look down the targets list, which again, I stand 
pretty strongly by look of that list. I mean, it's not always like for some reason I'm looking at it right now, but some of the guys that I've moved down are still up here for some reason. So I don't know if that's a cash cachet or whatever, however you say that, whatever <laughs> deal with the, with the site. But uh, by and large, they've gotten pretty much every one of these guys up to campus already. You know, Jordan Morant's on campus today, number one safety in the country, Mullings, Henning, uh, Gentry's got two visits scheduled. Tosh Baker's been up. Justin Rogers has been up a billion times. Uh, yeah, this, I, I changed a bunch of these a long time ago. But anyway, uh, Braden McGregor, obviously, Blake Corum, Makari Page, Zach Zinter, Theo Johnson's been on campus, I think, three times now. You know, so they've done a really, really good – and again, these guys were moved to top target by – well, me, I'm the only one that does this one. Uh, but these were moved by me like well before these guys stepped foot on campus. This isn't a, mm-hmm. hey, they're hosting this guy, let's move him to top target. Like These are guys that we had a pretty good idea on that they really, really liked. And uh, they've almost got, you know, Van Fillinger has a, a visit scheduled. Antoine Powell's been on campus. Xavier Watts, I think, is on campus this weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Malik Carr, Michigan, 100% of the crystal ball there, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, so they've done a really, really good job of, you know, working, working it to get these kids up. And then, of course, Michigan is one of those programs, you know, whether Harbaugh is the coach or not. I mean, Hoke was really good, too. Uh, Michigan's one of those schools, universities, campuses that it's always going to impress kids and families on their own, you know. Um, but they've but they've the staff has done a really, really good job. Uh, they do have the new facilities Mm-hmm. that have really helped. I feel like uh, recruits are really reacting well to Ben Herbert, which shouldn't be a surprise, the strength and conditioning coach, you know, and then, like I said, the athletic academic combo is something that Michigan's always going to have that only, as far as who they recruit against, I feel like it's Stanford and Notre Dame are always the two other programs. I yeah. think that, yeah. you know, and, and so, you know, so they've done a good job in kind of packaging all that together Um you know, but the biggest thing to me though is you got to get the kids up early, and they've done a lot. They've gotten a lot of the 2021 guys up early as well. You know, you look at JJ McCarthy, number two quarterback in the country, Michigan, hugely in the crystal ball there. Uh, Donovan Edwards, Corey Kiner, both four star, basically top 100 guys at running back. They lead the crystal ball for both those guys. Uh, and keep going on the list. Tommy Brockermeyer, even kid out of Fort Worth came all the way up. He's the number one tackle in the country in our 2021 rankings. So, you know, they've gotten a lot of, you know, actually like, yeah, literally all of these offensive linemen have been on campus. Hmm. All of these, there's like seven or eight. You go to El Hadi, who's the commit, but Wyatt Milam has been on campus. Nolan Rucci has been on campus. Dellinger was just on campus. Landon Tangwall has been on campus. Uh, I don't know if Ben Christman has been on campus or not, but either way, what I'm getting at is, you know, they've done a heck of a job and getting, you know, kids up. This is, this is a limited amount of time. They have not – they've really stepped back on spending officials, right? Yeah. We talked about that last cycle as, uh, you know, you had uh, to Corey Couch commit to Michigan while I was on his official. He was from the deep southern part of Florida, and they never saw him again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which was – and that was one of the deals where it was like – I think I may have said this before, but I mean, when he committed to Michigan, it's like I, I had a couple sources at Miami, both of which said that they were actually felt they were glad that he verbally committed to Michigan on his official because it meant that they would have a better chance at flipping him. Right. You know, which yep. is if that doesn't tell you how screwed up recruiting kind of is, uh, I don't know what would. But and then sure enough, I think it was like two or three months later, he flipped to Miami because he ended up on their campus like three times in the next four months. Cause it was a 15 minute car ride, yeah. you know, to campus or whatever. So, yeah. <laughs> so they've done a good job in that regard too. Uh, they'll be hosting guys on officials. My strong suspicion is if they get, if they host a guy in an official, that it's a guy that they think will end his process earlier. My, the thing with that, you know, is you just got to know, okay, is he really going to end his process early or is he just want to get, I don't know, that sort of that first verbal, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's, and that's, it's just something they're going to have to live with if that happens again. Um, but well, they you know, they ended they, up fine in the twenty nineteen class, you know. Um, so so I have a question because I just it's just occurring to me that these twenty twenty one recruits they are 
what, 16 years old? So they were, you know, 11 or 12 when Michigan started, you know, when this Harbaugh era started and they were just started pumping out these 10 win seasons. And so you always mention, you know, getting to the pros is one thing. And Harbaugh, the, the Harbaugh regime has done a really nice job of that. They haven't been to the playoffs. They haven't, like, won the title. But has the, let's say, four years of strong relevance, even if it hasn't delivered a title, I mean, do you feel like that's part of their hit rate being a little bit higher? Is, like, there's no longer this, well, Michigan's up one year and five and seven a couple years later and, and you know, things like that. And it's more just people just know that they'll always be there and they're able to kind of sell that we're, we're, we're here, help us get one, one, one rung higher. Like, does that, does that help with the hit rate? Do you think, have you noticed that? Yeah, I think so. I think for the most part, they've gotten past the whole Harbaugh to the NFL thing, Yeah, (laughs) which as much as we'd laugh because there was never really ever any strong indication that it was the case. It mat like kids and their families, you know, they read those crap sites that report that stuff without, you know, any validity. You know, you know what I mean? Like, uh, so that was something they'd had to, they've had to combat on the recruiting trail multiple times, you know, and, 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 but I think for them, I think that's gone away for the most part. And yeah, it's like the other thing too, there is the, there is the Ohio state hurdle still, but it, but a, a recruit, nine times out of 10 isn't as focused on the fact that Michigan hasn't beaten Ohio state under Harbaugh as they are that, well, like you said, they've had the eight most wins in the five, four years that he's been there and that he's put a bunch of guys into the pros too. And, Mm -hmm. and like that, so like they, they're not Michigan fans, they're recruits and families who are trying to make the best decision for themselves. And uh, under Harbaugh, Michigan's, created what I would say is a pretty attractive package, you know, for recruits. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, I think that's pretty accurate. Sure. I would say. Okay. Last one before we wrap up 2020 class. Uh, we got a question. I feel like we've gotten a couple questions. So I, you know, it wasn't just this one, but I know we got it last week and I mentioned, I promised our listeners last week that I would, I would do my, I did my kind of answer. But I said, Steve could probably, provide evidence and a little bit more insight into it. Uh, asking about the 2020 targets, I think they were asking something along the lines of they don't seem to be on a lot of top targets, top groups, or things like that. And I know we mentioned in February, uh, you don't know who the top players are going to be in the 2020 class. There's still some parts of that to shake out. And then also, it was very early. I'm curious, like when when, when you look at that kind of sentiment, I guess, where does this 20, where do they stand in the 2020 class? And then if there are commitments or, or pursuits that are coming, I mean, is that, cause you, you said, you've said before you answer this question every year around this time for those who are maybe newer to recruiting or just now following, uh, love our new subscribers. What time of year do things kind of ramp up as far as the commits, the, the, maybe the, a little bit more of the dramatic part of recruiting versus just evaluating and offering. Um, well, the last part of your question, it's that's around, actually it's usually like May and June because especially with the early official visit period now in effect, you'll see a lot of guys who, you know, people had to remember that even these, these 2020 kids, a lot of them have been recruited for like two years or more at this point you know, when you're putting out verbal offers to kids when they're freshmen and sophomores, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of these guys have been recruited for a really long time. And for a lot of kids, that's enough to, for them to know where they want to go. Uh, and so, you know, I think this May and June is usually a pretty hot time. And then obviously December, right. You know, January, whatever, if there's a, it seems like more and more, obviously the early signing period too. So the early official visit period, the early signing period have both drastically changed things. February is no longer a big day, in my opinion, <laughs> in the recruiting cycle. It's it's the first official visit or the first signing period in December is a much bigger deal. Michigan didn't uh, have one this year, did they? Not with Pesic Hicks in, no, because Quentin yeah. Johnson actually signed in December, but didn't publicly announce it because he wanted to announce it with his teammates, which I think we'd reported at the time. Yep. But, um, so yeah, they did not sign one player in February after Pesic Hicks uh decommitted and signed with Kansas. So. 
you know, so the, the December it's, it's changed in that regard. Uh, as far as like the big picture, yeah, it's, yeah, it's the same every stinking year. I mean, you go on a list of this target list that isn't as updated as it really actually is, but, uh, Andrew Gentry, 57th overall. Michigan's definitely a contender there. Andrew Rame, I think Michigan's still a contender there. A.J. Henning, 76. Top three. Mullings, top three. Jordan Morant. I have my crystal balls on Michigan for Jordan Morant. He's the number one safety in the country. Hmm. Uh, let's see here. Braden McGregor, he's the number yep. one player in the state. He's a, he's a possible five-star, according to us. I think his composite ranking is ridiculous. He's this year's composite ranking is ridiculous guy. <laughs> uh, he's 202nd in the composite. I think we have him at 26th or 27th overall. Last year's was Charbonnet, right? Yeah, yep. Until yep. the very end. But yes, but Michi- or, uh, the 24-7 was way higher on him than other outlets. And it eventually sort of evened out. But, um, you know, McGregor's that guy for this cycle. You know, he's a, I'd say he's a five-star type guy. And he's their number one overall target. And Michigan has a commanding lead in the crystal ball. Hmm. Blake Corum, Michigan, 100% in the crystal ball. Again, a guy that was listed as a top target before it looked like they were going to get him, before he, I think he got a significant bump. I think 24 7 is still a little low on him, but I bet that will change. Uh, Makari Page, probably top two with Michigan, Ohio State. Zach Zinter, Michigan in the top three. Michigan, uh, Michigan, Penn State, Notre Dame. Theo Johnson, Michigan, probably top three. You know, Iowa, I think Georgia, Penn State, Michigan, Iowa are kind of in, in the game there. Malcolm Green, I think it's Michigan or Clemson right now. So Cameron Martinez. So like these are all the guys listed as top target, uh, and they were listed as top target before. It's like because they're going to lose some. Well, like Aaron Lewis, uh, three-star defensive end out of New Jersey, committed to West Virginia yesterday. Michigan was really really high on him. That's a loss, you know. So I'm not. It's not all fluff. You know, mm-hmm. where they're getting – I don't just put the guys at top target that they're going to get, uh, you know, because, like, there are obviously still a chance. I just listed multiple schools for all those guys, you know, that they could end up elsewhere. But, no, they're doing fine, actually. Like, especially if you look at our uh, 24-7 sports rankings. So I know uh, you hate this question. I mean, I think the person who asked it last week framed it in a – They also asked how many people – are no, they gonna sign? Yeah, no, no, no. It, yeah, okay. and and, and what's the board and everything? But just random or not random? Like general ballpark still on track for a top ten class, or is it gonna be a smaller? I, I guess what kind of? Because it is tricky. I now we mentioned the depth and how they just kind of kind of reload. There's a battle there, and that you have to tell people. Well, you probably might not play in year one. So I don't know. Do you still think it could be a top ten class? I know there's way too many dominoes there, but can it be? Absolutely. That's the because again, and it's the same answer every year too. Is that there's still a whole football season to go? So if Michigan has a big season, they can a hundred percent get a top ten class. Um, they could get one either way, either without. You know, I mean, they can't. You know, seven and six, eight and five. Right. Probably not going to cut it, but you know, if you win eleven games, ten or eleven games or more, then absolutely they can sign a top ten class. Especially because, like I said, the other thing too that is in Michigan's favor is that their evaluations, by and large, have been strong the last few cycles. As far as like you know, we went over it in the nineteen class. I don't know how many times, but yeah. of how many of those guys ended the cycle way higher ranked. You know, ranked a lot higher than they were when the process started. And you know, I'd, if fa- other fan bases might say it's because they committed to Michigan that that was the case, but uh, there's too much. Or that's not how it works. It really isn't. I mean, there might be guys that I'd say this: there, when a guy commits to Michigan, they probably get a much closer evaluation. If there's not a great evaluation out there, mm-hmm. Then they're probably, you know, our guys probably take a look a closer, much closer look at him if Michigan takes him. Um, but you know, like in eighteen, I think there was a little. It's it was sort of a Michigan versus the recruiting services type deal where I think a lot of those guys were, yeah, like they took a lot of guys that the services started and ended the process not super super high on, right? So, um, you know, so that that's yeah, it's just 
and I don't, again, I don't know how many they're going to sign, so don't ask me right now. So Nope, I won't. Um, yeah, thank you. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, so I think they're doing fine. It just, it's just, they're in that position right now where let's see if they can reel in a few verbals in this early signing or in the early official visit period or, you know, kids who are tired of the process, maybe want to end it uh, or, and then get to the season. And then that's where you go from there. Mm-hmm. You know, cause they have a great, the other thing too, they have the three big home games this year. So they should have another reason why I don't think they're doing too many officials. This first period is because you have Michigan state, Notre Dame and Ohio state all at home this year, three huge opportunities to showcase the big house, you know, to, to prospective recruits, which again, it's like people were wondering why the spring game wasn't a big recruiting event this year. They had some guys up, but not many. It's like, they don't really make the the spring game a big recruiting event. I think one of the reasons is, is the, probably the same people are asking or the same people that may, should maybe look in the mirror and show up because Michigan's attendance at a spring game is almost always lower than a lot of other big programs. Yeah. And so I think, I think they've kind of chosen to sort of downplay the spring game because they'd rather wait until there's, 110,000 plus in October and November, you know, whatever to, to right. showcase that nope. side of the, of the deal. So yeah, it makes sense. Okay. So yeah, that, that'll do it for now. We'll, we will obviously talk recruiting every time there's, there's notable stuff um, in the future. Now that we are in the off season, we can probably dig into the recruiting questions a little bit more, uh, especially as we head toward May and June next week. I think we're going to do one, post spring i'm going to try to find a, a different angle we haven't covered just yet uh post spring podcast kind of looking at, at some some things maybe it's the top risers we'll 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 find out or we'll we'll discuss it and, and come up with something and then the, the other one will be probably similar to this you know news uh questions if you got them you know and and if there isn't if it's kind of a slow week maybe some recruiting stuff but for steve lorenz i'm zach shaw this has been the wolverine 24 7 podcast Check out our stories, themichiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. Uh, feel free to rate and subscribe to the podcast. They're, they're coming out you know, twice a week now, so it uh, can be even more of a presence in your podcast listening experience. Uh, so hopefully you had fun. Hope you le- learned something. We'll see you next time.